follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Stars that shine between the lines. If you would let yourself go, find some place you know. You can use your words, use your hands. You can change the world. Just pretend, express yourself, take a chance, and you'll see who you'll be. It's time to express yourself, where teens talk and the world listens. Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be the Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. What is fortitude, and do you have the strength to keep on keeping on? Hello and welcome to Express Yourself a program by, for, and with creative young people. We're a platform to give teens a voice right here on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Bridget Gia, and today the theme for our show is the gift of fortitude. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions and brought to you as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity. Each week, we bring you a stimulating, mind-bending, motivating program based on a chapter from our award-winning book, Be The Star You Are for Teens. Simple gifts for living, loving, laughing, learning, and leading. With this week's theme, The Gift of Fortitude, we're going to talk about what it takes to keep on going when the going gets tough and stick, sticking to things through thick and thin. In our second and third segment, we'll introduce Rachel Kane, the New York Times, USA Today, and number one internationally best-selling author of more than 45 novels that span the categories of horror, suspense, urban fantasy, science fiction, media tie-in, historical, and young adult. She's also the author of over 100 short stories, and we can't wait to learn more about her first novel in the great library series, Ink and Bone. We want to give out a shout-out of gratitude to the sponsors of our recent Pear and Wine Festival, Children's Success Unlimited, Michael Verabruga Construction, and the La Mirinda Weekly. Without sponsors, Be The Star You Are could not offer the many outreach programs we do. If you or your company would like to be a sponsor of our radio shows or any event, please visit www.btsya.org and email our producer, Cynthia Bryan, at cynthia at bethestarur.org. Again, thank you all for making the Pear and Wine Festival book giveaway a huge success. Now on to our topic for today, fortitude. What does fortitude mean? If you look it up in the dictionary, you'll find that fortitude entails strength, Guts, resilience, courage, staying power, stamina, endurance, and determinations. And that's just for starters. I'm going to read the chapter, The Gift of Fortitude, penned by Cynthia Bryan from our award-winning book, Be the Star You Are for Teens, and you'll get a picture of true grit in motion. The Gift of Fortitude by Cynthia Bryan What do you say to a daughter who has turned down by the college of her choice and won't take no for an answer? Five times! Meet Heather Brittany, who, as a vivacious 17-year-old high school senior, believed in herself and all her possibilities. At age four, she endured arduous surgery to save her life. I spent two weeks camping by her bedside, calling it our special adventure, and indeed, it secured a mother-daughter bond that has not been broken. At a very early age, Heather decided that when she went off to college, she would take along mommy and Halloween her cat. By age seven, Heather was diagnosed with learning disabilities and placed in a special program. Instead of viewing herself as challenged, she chose to see herself as a special star. Although she struggled with her studies, she excelled in athletics, drama, and her work with animals. By eighth grade, Heather was a straight-A student, assisting other learning disabled children to overcome their obstacles. Then, much to her apprehensive delight, the school administrators disqualified Heathers from this special resource program and returned to her, her to her regular classes. She knew that high school would offer numerous challenges, and she was right. She soon faltered. Her grades fell to C's and D's because she couldn't master the art of test-taking. She pleaded for readmittance to the Learning Disabled Program, but her application was denied. 
Heather was told that she'd need to fail and get straight Fs before she could qualify. Of course, failure is not a part of Heather's vocabulary, so she sought outside help. College admission was foremost in her mind. She had to work harder than all her friends, but she was determined to get top grades while remaining involved in the many activities she felt were important to being a well-rounded individual. Her hours were filled with leadership responsibilities, including the 4-H club, church, charities, her menagerie of adopted animals, and volunteer work. As her constant cheerleader and motivator, I scheduled weekly tea times to strategize options. We passed positive. We pasted positive quotations on the walls of her bedroom to inspire her to greatness, and together we visited college campuses so Heather could review her future selections. Heather fell in love with a university in San Diego. By her senior year, her high school grade point average was a solid three point five. She was confident she would be accepted. Instead, she refused, received a rejection letter. Rejection number one. She immediately phoned the admissions office to ask about the appeals process. This year, there is no appeal process. She was told, "We had forty-five thousand applications for five thousand slots. We're sorry. We can forward your application to another school." Rejection number two. But Heather didn't want another school. Her dream was San Diego, and I encouraged her to imagine her reality, reach for the stars, and expect to land on them. Heather reasoned that the school just. Didn't understand her potential or know her as a person. There was no way she was giving up now. She looked at the quotations she lived by, plastered on her bedroom walls. Her strength and fortitude pressed on. She could write memorable essays, create outstanding projects, and perform at the highest levels in verbal examinations. Although she hadn't mastered taking tests in school, now she was confronting the biggest test of all. Never, never, never give up. Winston Churchill had said, "We must either find a way or make one." Said Hannibal when he crossed the uncrossable Alps. Heather was determined to design her own future, but how? She put together a formal appeal to the admissions office. She gathered her most recent school transcripts and got even more glowing rec- letters of recommendation from her teachers, counselors, talent agent, principal, and community leaders. So many letters arrived that they couldn't all be submitted. Then she made a video highlighting her acting and communication skills. This impressive public PR package was sent off to the admissions office. Again, Heather was certain that this time they'd see Heather the person, not just a number. Acceptance was just days away. But when a reply arrived from the college, she eagerly tore open the envelope. It was a duplicate of her first rejection letter, rejection number three. Most kids would have given up, not Heather. Rejection was nothing new. After all, she had been acting and modeling in TV and films since she was a baby. Instead of being sensible, she picked up the phone and called the admissions office again. A special orientation day was approaching for admitted students, and she wanted to attend. The event is only for our admitted freshmen, she was told. I'm sorry, but you are not one of them. Rejection number four. So, did Heather finally give up? No, Heather had staying power. She kept talking, using all her best communication and persuasion skills. Finally, the admission of administration office wearily said she would not be barred if she showed up. With me in tow, Heather traveled to San Diego and introduced herself and her situation to everyone she met. She persuaded faculty members to support her and endorse her efforts. Her persistence, determination, stamina, and fortitude in the face of defeat were spectacular. After her journey, she followed up with thank you notes, emails, and personal calls to everyone she had met. Another letter arrived. Again, she had been denied. Rejection number five. Surely, any sensible person would have acknowledged defeat. Not endurance, Heather. She immediately contacted the chair of her declared major and asked for help. By this time, the Department of Theater Arts had recognized her unquenchable enthusiasm and sense of purpose, traits essential for success in the entertainment world. Although they couldn't guarantee admission, they could recruit one person, and they decided to recruit her. They supported her admissions appeal and assured the university that they would be responsible for tracking her progress, mentoring her, and helping her exceed the university's standards. Heather had found her champion, but would the admissions office find her worthy? On April fifteenth, Heather opened the envelope containing her latest high school grades. She now had a 3.67 grade point average, plus numerous outstanding teenager awards. Still, 
She had received no college admittance letter. At last, her vision started to waver. Mom, I have total faith that I deserve to be admitted. I know I will add value to their campus, but I'm getting discouraged. How much longer can I hold on? Honey, I responded, persevere. No matter what happens, you are already a star. At 2 p.m. on April 16th, the phone rang. She's ours! She's all ours! screamed an excited voice. The co-chair of the Department of Theater Arts had just been notified that Heather was finally accepted. It took more than an hour to get the news to Heather, who was still at school taking yet another test. I finally reached by her by phone. Heather, you did it! You're in! I shouted between sobs. Heather responded, No, Mom, we did it. We're going to college. Heather was re rejected five times in 45 days. Any sensible person would have given up. Not Heather. She was tenacious, determined, and passionate about her abilities. She never lost sight of her dream. It was the best Mother's Day ever because that fall, Heather and I went to college. Fortitude is the will to succeed despite the odds. Fortitude is the stamina to keep on going, even when the going is rough. When you are resolved to fight, find a way with purpose and passion, you will discover the strength to build a path where none existed before. Never give up on your dreams. Stay on the course. What is true grit, really? What does the story show us? When every sign tells you to stop, it's difficult to keep going. Yet, when you believe in yourself and know in the depths of your soul that you are on the right path, you must listen to your inner voice. What is it you want to accomplish more than anything, despite the naysayers and advice to the contrary? Determined to succeed, get the skills you need, go into action, ask for help, have faith in your abilities, and allow God and the universe to open the doors. Sometimes the person who wins is the one who hung in there the longest. Like our friend Dr. Bernie Sagel says, hoping means seeing that the outcome you want is possible and then working for it. Fortitude is staying power. Endure, persevere, pray, persist, have the guts for true grit, and no matter what happens, you are already a star. Tell me no, then watch me go, as quoted from Heather Brittany. Thank you so much, Heather, for your awesome insight into fortitude and its true meaning, that of grit and perseverance and sticking with it. I really love your strength in being able to see your goals and stick to them no matter what obstacles you face. All right, during the break, everyone, be sure to check out our radio site at expressyourselfteenradio.com for photos, descriptions, links, and more. I'm Bridget Gia. All right. Um, please also visit our charity site at bethestarur.org and watch our fun and informative videos at youtube.com slash bethestarur. Stay right here with us as we continue our conversation on the gift of fortitude. You're a responsible person, and you're trying to do everything you can to save the planet. But are you doing enough? We've got the right person to help you keep on thinking green. Mario Jr. is the host of Alive and Green. The show is all about green tips, staying environmentally friendly, and having fun while doing something great for our Mother Earth. You'll want to check out the show Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids channel. If we all do our part now, it'll only mean a brighter and better future for us later. Bookworm is a show for the reader and those that should probably be reading a little more. We'll tackle the classics, the bestsellers, and the brand new works that you won't be able to put down. Your host will be combing the pages of them all and letting you know what needs to be in your personal library and what might be better reading for the bathroom. Tune into Bookworm, airing Thursdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids channel. We promise that listening will be just like delving into a good book. Tune in to Dinosaur Detectives with Little Miss Dinosaur, Anna Dubois. We'll not only learn about dinosaurs, but also about fossils, ancient civilizations, and ask questions from paleontologists. You'll learn about science in general with an emphasis on paleontology and dinosaurs in general. Anna hopes that this show will start or increase your awareness and interest in the field of science. Dinosaur Detectives can be heard every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Kids channel.
You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. You are listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids Network, brought to you by Be The Star You Are Charity. I'm Bridget Gia, and today our show is all about the gift of fortitude. Today we bring you a guest author who is truly a star. Rachel Kane is the New York Times, USA Today, and number one internationally best-selling author of more than 45 novels that span the categories of horror, suspense, urban fantasy, science fiction, media tie-in, historical, and young adult. Rachel began her publishing career in 1991 under the name Roxanne Longstreet with her first novel, Stormriders, a media tie-in novel for the role-playing game Shadow World. In 2003, she began writing as Rachel Kane with the launch of the best-selling Weathering, Weather Warden series in urban fantasy, followed by a spin-off series, Outcast Season, the Red Letter Days du- Duology, and the Revivalist series. In 2006, she began her career in young adult novels with the 15-book Morganville Vampire series. In 2014, she published her first standalone young adult novel, Prince of Shadows, and in 2015, the start of the new Great Library series, Ink and Bone. Without further ado, let's welcome Rachel Kane to Express Yourself. Hello, Rachel, and thanks for joining us. Hi, great to be here. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's, it's great to have you. Alrighty, so Rachel's book, Ink and Bone, the first book is the first book of the Great Library series, plunges readers into a world in which the legendary ancient Great Library of Alexandria never burned, and now is the center of knowledge for the entire world. So how did you get the idea to write about this topic? You know, it's funny. Uh, some books come to me in different ways. Uh, this one really came to me as kind of an image. And this image was of a man in kind of this this uh, scholar's robe that you see in, in on English universities, the black robe, um, walking through a war, uh, carrying a stack of books, and no one touches him. Oh, and I really loved that image. I don't know what brought it about exactly, but it was sort of the core around which I built this idea of books becoming um, something that everyone agreed were untouchable, that you could not destroy them. They were kind of sacred. That's so beautiful. And, you know, like knowledge should be untouchable by all these other catastrophes. Yeah, I love it. Wow. So... I know definitely as an author, you're very linked with books. You have definitely like a bond with books, right? Because you write them and they're really just beautiful works of art. So what did books mean to you when you were younger? You know, I I was so, I I, from a very early age loved books and I would go with my father. This is one of my kind of special memories. Um, Mm -hmm. He he was uh, in the military, so he was gone a lot. But when he came home, what we would do is we would go together to a bookstore that was about probably 10 miles from our house. And uh, it was a used bookstore. It was the only one we we had close. And we would go and buy a whole sack of books. And then we would go home and we would read them all weekend and talk about books. And so that was really the the uh, the core of my book experience was this this enjoying books with my dad. And uh, he loved science fiction and fantasy, and he introduced me to a lot of authors and a lot of early work. And uh, so books have always meant, meant something very special to me. And I have a house absolutely bursting with books. <laughs> oh, yes. Wow. That's so beautiful, the way you, were, you got started in reading. And your family really <laughs> encouraged you to read and write stories. Am I right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. In fact, um, I think my earliest stories that I started writing, uh, I would go in and I would read them to my dad. And he would tell me, oh, I think that's good. You should keep working. And I think that's really critical to get that kind of encouragement uh, early on because it's, you know, there's, there's plenty of criticism that can be leveled at you as you go along. But when you're first starting out, everyone is very fragile. And I think encouraging people is really important. Yeah, definitely. 
because research definitely indicates that the most important criteria for kids is to have their parents read to them and kind of bond with them over books. Yeah, so it really creates kids who love books and reading. And wow, I can see that that's definitely uh, what happened in your case. Definitely. So, yeah. So beautiful. <laughs> um, all right. So this world that you've created that's set in, you know, the Great Library of Alexandria and builds off of this plot really must have taken a lot of research. So what are some of the fun facts that you know about the Library of Alexandria? Oh, so many. Uh, what One of the things that I discovered as I started working in this was how the we, we have an image of the library, I think, as, as modern people who've just heard, oh, there was this fabulous library and it burned. Um, and, and yes, that's very tragic. Mm-hmm. But what, what the amazing thing was, when you think about it, how would something like that get started? Because you have to understand that books were extremely valuable. Yeah. They were usually the only copy or maybe one of two or three copies that existed. Mm-hmm. So they were very they were very valuable and they were sought after. So persuading someone to give a book to the library was not an easy yeah. task. Um, and of course you had you had a, a Pharaoh who mm-hmm. who basically said, We're going to do this and you're all going to help. So people were turning over their books, not so much because they wanted to, but because they were ordered to. And when people would visit Alexandria, having heard of this massive undertaking, um, they might bring their own books and then suddenly discover that they were being asked to give up their books too. Sometimes sometimes by, you know, by force, they would confiscate or they would pay you some money and tell you to go away and they'd make you a copy later. So, so that it was a little bit built on, uh, Mm-hmm. On, on theft almost and, <laughs> and intimidation uh, but in the end they also had the very first idea because most early idea, or early libraries were built on the idea that only scholars could really appreciate mm-hmm. these books and uh, the Library of Alexandria built what they called a Serapeum and the Serapeum was a public library where people, common people although you know, you had to be somebody still to get in, but but they weren't scholars. They were people who had no, you know, no credentials. Yes. They could go into this library and read the books. And this was amazing. They even let women read the books. Oh, wow. They, they had to be escorted. But <laughs> you never know what those women might get up to with those books. <laughs> but but I just love the fact that they, that they really... Uh, they really launched the idea that knowledge should be available to people outside of the scholarly community. So that was, that was an amazing thing. And the library of Alexandria continued for a long, long time. And it was part of a huge complex. There was a university, there was a giant zoo, which I think is fascinating. Uh, They had, they had gathered animals from all over the world. And uh, so it, 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 it was certainly the jewel in in the crown of Alexandria, but it was also part of a much larger undertaking too. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely like huge, beautiful project. Wow, that's that's really really interesting. You have so much information about the Library of Alexandria from this book now, and it's really it's really nice to understand that the Library of Alexandria was really the first library who had this idea of bringing books and knowledge out to the common people. So as the, as the library was also a new and different idea, did this, how does this book differ from all the others you've written? I try to do something different in each book. So the, the Morganville of the Empire series is really fun and adventure. Uh, I like always to have a core of adventure, my stories. So, but that one was more of a contemporary kind of tone, a really breezy and fun sort of Buffy the Vampire Slayer kind of style. <laughs> um, then when I did Prince of Shadows, that was very mm-hmm. Shakespearean because I'm really telling an alternate viewpoint of oh. Romeo and Juliet, but yeah. set in the period with the same characters and with the same plot. Mm-hmm. But the way that it works actually... Um, you you learn a lot more about the story than Shakespeare tells you. 
So that that was I, I really wanted to come to this as being more of a giant world that these mm-hmm. characters inhabit that we have to learn about and learn how to survive in along with them. Wow, yeah, that's really great. And, you know, you definitely incorporate many styles into your books. That's really beautiful. Thank you so much, Rachel, for sharing this exciting new book with us. We will continue our conversation in the next segment. And during the break, visit Rachel's website to get more information about all her books at www.rachelkane.com. To make a donation to Be The Star You Are charity that brings you this program, go to www.bethestarur.org. Also, remember to visit our radio site at expressyourselfteenradio.com. I'm Bridget Gia, and you're listening to Express Yourself Teen Radio. What do you want to do? Are you interested in the performing arts? If so, make sure you tune in to the Angel and Harmony Show. Angel and Harmony have experience singing, acting, and performing in general and want to help you live out your dreams of the future. Whether you are interested in acting, modeling, dancing, or singing, this is the show for you. We'll even give you the scoop on being behind the scenes if you're a little shy. The Angel and Harmony Show is heard live every Thursday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids channel. What's cooking? Join Kid Chef Eliana for Cool Kids Cook. Eliana is one of the youngest published cookbook authors and will show you that there are all kinds of goodness in food beyond the chicken nuggets and fries. On our show, we'll discover cuisine from around the world, learn some great cooking techniques, speak with some of the world's top chefs, and share recipes. Kid Chef Eliana is here for you on Cool Kids Cook every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. Bon Appetit! Looking for an on-air community where teens talk and the world listens? Tune in to Express Yourself, an entertaining adolescent fusion radio program where passion and possibility populate the airwaves. Our vivacious teen hosts and star-studded field reporters from around the country offer stimulating segments and invigorating viewpoints connecting with the world campus of young people. We'll talk with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with experience. Tuesdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Kids. Express yourself. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. you for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. Our program is Express Yourself, giving youth across the world a voice to be listened to. I'm your host, Brigitte Gia, and today's topic is the gift of fortitude. We've been talking with mega best-selling author Rachel Kane about our newest series, The Great Library, and our first book, Ink and Bone. Ink and Bone is the first book of the Great Library series dealing with the legendary ancient Great Library of Alexandria. In this book, It Never Burned, and now is the center of knowledge for the entire world. With daughter libraries in every city in the world and armies to protect them, it seems like a reader's paradise. But is it? The library owns all books. Ownership of private, unindexed books is punishable by prison or death. Jess Brightwell, growing up in a family of book smugglers, has good reason to see them as the enemy. And when he's sent to Alexandria to study and enter library services as his family's spy, he discovers much more. The world of the Great Library is one of wonder and terror, free knowledge and vast censorship, and just a struggle, and that of his friends, to survive the inside of it will change the world forever. So, again, we have uh, author Rachel Rachel Kane here today to talk with us about the book and about her fortitude in writing about it. So, um... Say hi, Rachel. Hello, Rachel. Hello. Hello, Hello, Rachel. Uh, Yeah, I'm. Thank you so much for having me on. This is really fun. I love doing these shows. (laughs) It's it's great to have you back for the next segment. Yeah, Um, we're having fun. It's great. 
Alrighty, so uh, we're going to start off right away. Um, so you've written this book and you've written so many other books. Um, and you've definitely used fortitude along with those, right? And so you've <laughs> definitely stayed strong in writing all these books and making sure to finish them. So what advice do you have for young writers who are struggling to write their own books and stories? Well, as you can well imagine, I, I also was a young writer once upon a time. Um, I, I wrote my first, uh, I think I finished my first story at the age of 14. Oh, wow. And and that doesn't mean that it was any good oh. <laughs> as I look back on it now. But but I really loved the process of writing and I had so much fun doing it. And But I never really thought I would become a full-time writer or even be published. Uh, to me, I always thought of writers as being some vast creatures who existed on mountaintops. I, I never even met one. <laughs> so for me, it was it was more of a matter of a hobby. Uh, and it wasn't until I literally was uh, sort of blackmailed into going to a writer's conference by a friend <laughs> that I, I was asked by an editor to submit something. Oh, wow. And and so I, I actually did submit something. And at, to that point, I really hadn't even written a book. <laughs> I didn't tell him that. I, I submitted part of a book and uh, he liked it. And he said, sure, uh, I'm going to hire you to write this book. And, and that was a, a real lesson in fortitude right there because I had six months and I'd never written a book before. Oh, so it's really, you really you really got out there. So I I learned on the job. Yeah, wow. So like you definitely were able to get out there at a writers conference and you know after you'd been dragged there and you got something out of it and you were able to boost yourself and push yourself out there and show off your work. So is it really worthwhile to for like a young writer to go to writers conferences or any conferences? Do you think I do think that it's important to be around people who write because mm -hmm. uh, your friends and your family are great and they're very critical to your success. But, you know, it's it's always important to really talk to people who do it So because those are the people who are going to teach you what you do well and what you don't do well. And you have to listen to both sides of that because it's, a, it's important to – to, not just to do it, but also to keep doing it and do better work every time. Yeah. So conferences really help you strengthen your craft, and I think that's important. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of gatherings. You know, a lot of teen book festivals now are offering uh, writer classes and discussions mm -hmm. about writing. Um, there's a ton of of teen book festivals exploding all over the country. And so I would definitely check into those. Uh, I do a lot of them myself. I love them. They're so much fun. Yeah, you really get to connect with your audience and connect with um, aspiring writers. So I have a quick question. If, if you're reading like a certain type of literature, does that influence your writing style in any way? So if you're reading maybe Dickens as opposed to Gossip Girls, would it be a difference in writing levels? Like, would you improve more if you read Dickens? You know, I don't really know. I think as a as a writer, you read very widely. Mm -hmm. You read everything. You read Dickens, and you read Gossip Girl, and you read you read his, historical texts, and you read uh, you know mysteries and suspense yeah. and young adult. And I, I I love everything, and that helps me come at stories from different angles. If you only read what you think is applicable to the work you're doing. Sometimes you can get really narrow. It doesn't, you're not, you're just kind of going down the same road other people have gone down. Yeah. So if you, uh, if you spend your time reading all over the place, you can come at a topic from a very different angle. And I think that is where your work really sounds fresh and fun. So it's really about widening your horizons. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for the insight. That's great. Um, speaking of different viewpoints and different um, perspectives. So you have a business degree from Texas Tech and you worked in several careers before com becoming a writer. So how did these jobs prepare you for the life of a writer? I, I never uh, I never expected to use them in quite the way that I did, but 
<laughs> I had an accounting degree that uh, really just kind of got me into a lot of office jobs. Mm-hmm. And, and all of my office jobs taught me things. Um, not necessarily accounting skills. <laughs> <laughs> I, I learned I, I learned a lot about web design. I got hired to do web design. I got hired to do graphic design. I ran an office. I became a project manager. Project manager was probably the thing that uh, that helped me the most because I was able to plan out how much time I needed to do the work. And it really helps when you're a writer on a schedule because in today's publishing world, at one point I was writing four to five books a year. Oh, wow. So that's really pretty tough that. to do. Yeah, that's pretty tough to do unless you're very meticulous about your work hours and your plan for what you're going to accomplish every day. Definitely. Like, so how did you how did you do that, though? How did you write five books a year? That seems like a really great feat to achieve like how how are you able to plan your day around that well at the time I was doing it and and I still don't quite comprehend how I did it um (laughs) I was also working full-time so I would I would typically get up very early in the morning and go to my local Starbucks because they opened at 5 30 very helpful uh that was only a block or two from my office Mm -hmm. and so I would avoid the traffic get my coffee work for about about three hours every morning, and I discovered a terrible, wonderful thing, which was my brain works best at that hour. <laughs> uh, I wish I didn't know that, but uh, that I, I was able to accomplish more in three hours than I would in six if I tried to write in the evening. Oh, wow. So, so if part time. of it is finding out how, how best you work and then planning your day around that. Uh, but that's that's kind of how I did it. And then I, I wrote for, you know, eight hours a day on the weekends. Mm-hmm. Sadly, you kind of sacrificed the whole idea of weekend. <laughs> <laughs> the whole free time thing. Oh, no. Yeah. So it's but I really, still have, yeah. I still have fun and I have friends and, you know, I still have a life, thankfully. But it's it's hard to juggle everything, yeah. Um, oh, so how are you able to focus in the coffee shop? I mean, there should be there's a lot of noise in Starbucks, and you know, like the machines and everybody yelling orders. So were you really distracted by others in the coffee shop, or were you able to kind of zone in to your craft? I am one of those people who writes to music, and so one of the things I do—it's a little nerdy thing I do—before uh, I start a book, I have to have a playlist. So I spend about three or four days auditioning songs for my playlist. And once I have that list of music, uh, then I can put on my headphones, I can sit down, it plugs me into the world in a very kind of visceral way. So I'm able to really slide in and start working as long as I have that music going. I don't pay attention to much unless they (laughs) hand me another coffee. (laughs) (laughs) So... So yeah, you have this whole playlist that's really cool. Um, so do you do you structure your characters around the playlist, or maybe like the setting? So w- what kind of music do you use? And like, does each book have a different rhythm? Each book really has a very different rhythm to it. Um, I I tend to find a very eclectic mix of music. And it's funny because I'm working right now on the rewrite for the second great library book, which is called Paper and Fire. And uh, I was about halfway done with the rewrite, and I suddenly realized that Katy Perry's Dark Horse needed to be on my <laughs> So I have a great mixture of steampunk bands and Katy Perry and all kinds of crazy stuff. And, and it works really well for me. I just uh, I, I think that it has to have a certain rhythm to it that keeps me in the mood. Yeah, yeah, you got to have that certain setting. So... One last question. If you could choose between a world where books are sacred, like the Great Library, or one where they're completely forbidden, like Fahrenheit 451, which one would you pick? Oh, the Great Library, definitely. We've got to have those that. books in there. Uh, I couldn't live without my books, you know. Even if they were restricted and I could only visit them, I would still have to have them. Um, but, you know, I, the, part, of the, part of the interesting thing about Fahrenheit 451, uh, my great library series is often described as being uh, a kind of a combination of Harry Potter and Fahrenheit 451. <laughs> the two styles clash together. <laughs> yes. Wow. 
So that's that's really interesting how you were able to <laughs> combine those two and really make a place where you know books are sacred, but they're also restricted and kind of forbidden. So exactly. yeah, thank you so much, Rachel, for all of your insight and um, your advice towards young readers today. And thank you for being with us here today. Um, Ink and Bone is a riveting read, and we'll look forward to the next two books in the series. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on today. Thank you. Yeah, it was great. I loved this session. All right. So to check out the Great Library series, go to www.enterthelibrary.com. And to find out more about Rachel and her musings, visit www.rachelkane.com for more info. Also, during the break, be sure to check out our charity site at btsya.org, which stands for Be The Star You Are, 501c3 Literacy and Positive Media Charity. Stay, here right with, stay right here with us as we continue our conversation. Have you heard your 15 minutes of fame? How about four times that every single week? It's the fame game. Listen as Maddie Rose, who is up and coming in the world of fame, brings you fame from all walks of life. You'll hear from doctors, teachers, mentors, life heroes, as well as those in the fields of acting, movies, music, and more. Who knows? You might be the next one Maddie Rose talks to on the air. Listen for the fame game every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. What does indie mean? It's short for independent. What does that mean? Whatever you want it to mean. When you are indie, you don't just go with the flow. You set the pace. Indie can mean a style of music, dress, or just a way of life. It's what sets you apart from the rest of the crowd. Everybody has a little bit of indie in them. It's beautiful. It's cool. It's you. Tune in to Indie on Voice America Kids. Live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. If you don't feel indie yet, make it a part of you. If the financial markets interest you, if you want to potentially earn a higher return, if you're not satisfied with your investment returns, or if you're only making 1% on your investments sitting in the bank, do you see the stock market hitting record highs but feel you have no one to trust? Voice America's own Jordan Kimmel, the host of Magnet Investing for over seven years, is applying his strategies of magnet investing and is managing individual accounts. Jordan Kimmel has joined InvestView, the Red Bank, New Jersey Investment Education and Asset Management Firm. And his team can help you. Contact Jordan and the team at InvestView at 732-380-7271 or by email at jkimmel at investview.com. If you would like a complimentary portfolio review or to speak to a representative, call us. Past performance of investments are not indicative of future results. Investing is inherently risky. All recommendations should be researched by the investor. Call InvestView at 732-380-7271. That's 732-380-7271. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back. Thanks for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. I'm Bridget Gia, and our program is Express Yourself. Today, the theme for our show is the gift of fortitude. Hey guys, it's Bridget, of course. <laughs> and in this Art Attack segment, we'll be taking a look at the correlation between art and fortitude. In my personal opinion, you really can't have one without the other. It's often difficult, speaking as someone who really enjoys art and creating it, to persevere and finish a work you've begun. It really takes courage in the face of many obstacles to keep going. I have a stack of just unfinished paintings that I really need to boost myself and work on. And I know from experience that it's really hard to just finish an artwork that you've started or anything that you've started. So today I'll be talking about several artists who really came up to the challenge and stuck with their craft through thick and thin and through many, many hardships. 
Courage Kenny Rehabilitation Institute is hosting an international art show, The Art of Possibilities, with a slight twist. The artists featured have overcome the difficulties brought by different disabilities and created beautiful works of art that are now on display. These artists from around the world have chosen a representation of themselves that stands out amongst the hardships that they've faced. So one of my personal favorites in the exhibit is a work by Elizabeth Sullivan. The first place watercolor painting features a herd of horses galloping across the canvas in vibrant flowing colors. So we've got different blues and reds and you know tan colors all across the page and it's just beautiful. It reminds you of, you know, this horse really galloping across that canvas in all of their freedom and vibrancy. So Really, even though Sullivan has severe asthma and COPD, she was able to create such a beautiful work of art with all these conditions. And she was able to work past that and bring out her painting style and truly be the star she was. You know, she stuck by and she used her fortitude to get through and create this art that's now being displayed internationally. Another artist, Juliana Coles, from Albuquerque, New Mexico, is another artist whose work is featured in the upcoming exhibit. As quoted from the show's website, Coles explains, As an epileptic, my reality is altered. It is through my work that I have sought to piece together fragmented memories by combining words with imagery, utilizing mixed media to create a personal history that I am not always a conscious participant in. My art form enables me to create new pathways in my brain after a seizure by creating relationships between unknowns. It empowers me to create order, clarity, and understanding in the midst of abnormal cerebral function. My disability is really a gift, the intense essence of who I am and the very foundation of my mission in life. And if you go to the website, if you search in um, the international art show, Art of Possibilities, into the Google search bar, you can actually bring up this work by Juliana Coles. And it's really a beautifully unique piece with different aspects of, you know, the the connections in her mind being put together in this huge work that has some modern influences and that's just really colorful and bold. Her painting features a lot of, again, influences from pop culture and several colorfully unique portraits of people uh, sitting in the corners of the painting, which create a really dazzling burst of a work that is really beautiful and vibrant to behold. So these artists are really examples of people with fortitude, and they have the ability to stick by something even when times get hard. Their journeys are each a separate wonder to behold, tales filled with inspiration for the aspiring artist. They've turned their weaknesses and their disabilities and their difficulties into such wonderful paintings and beauty, just as a fragmented glass is more intricate and lovely than a plain interface. But what are some of the things that you can do with your share of fortitude? Really, when times are hard, make sure you look ahead and define your goals and try your hardest to achieve them. So when I paint, for example, I try to have an image of what I'm going to create in my head and on a separate sheet of paper to make sure I don't wander off course and create something you know that's not my intention. So I'm able to try and work past my uh, obstacles and create a piece that I really want to look nice and to look presentable and what I really want with the piece. So I've got a, a piece that I'm working on right now, which is featuring a a young woman looking out of a window. And what I did with this process was that I sketched out this young woman and I sketched her in the pose and I made sure to try to envision what I wanted from this painting before I started to put the, a brush to the canvas. And that really helped me in not stalling or trying to think of something to paint or messing around too much with the paint and not creating something that I wanted because I already had an image of what I wanted on the page, on the paper. So make sure you try and envision what you want before you're going to start out. So I definitely use fortitude a lot in my paintings when I'm stuck and when I can't think of anything that I want my 
painting to progress to. And it really helps me when I stop and I falter and I think, what am I trying to paint? What am I trying to draw? And I'm able to push by this and use my fortitude and continue to persevere because I love painting and it's one of my hobbies. And I try my hardest to keep painting and to work around my fears, my obstacles in maybe thinking that the painting won't turn out well. And really, you can definitely use that in your daily life, whether you're a painter or whether you're not even an artist at all, you can use that to your advantage. Make sure you always stick to what you want. Make sure you keep going and persevering. Believe in yourself, create plans, stick to them, and know that you can achieve anything that you really reach for. It's also hard to stick to something that you're new to. When you find a new thing that you're trying to get an interest in, for example, I started watercolors a few days back, and I didn't really know how to work with them because it was my first time using watercolors, but I tried to stick to it, and now I've really got a feel for watercolors and I'm starting to enjoy it. So when you start something new and you don't really think it's that comfortable for you, then Try to stick through it. Try to use your fortitude and push forward. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, you'll really, really like it and you'll be able to express your love for the art even though you started out at, with such a cobbly, um, on such a cobbly path. So power on, push on, and carry on. You really will succeed if you stick to your goals and make sure you persevere and use your fortitude. So as always, all good things must come to an end, and this show really gave us an in-depth look at the power of fortitude. Thanks to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be The Star You Are, and our Voice America kids crew, especially our engineer Mike. Thanks to our guests and reporters from across the world, and thank you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated program. I'm Bridget Gia, and you have been listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens. For information on our creative community, go to www.bbtsya.org. Until next week, remember, be kind, be strong, and be here. Speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars that shine between the lines if you would let yourself go. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN.